Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you are about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com. Okay, here we go. I hope she likes these flowers. Why do girls like flowers, anyway? Does that have something to do with the birds and the bees? If she likes the flowers, does she want to make out with me? I wonder if she'll want to do more than make out with me. I shouldn't think like that. What if she does? It's okay if you're in love, right? And we're not not in love. If we get married later, does it make it okay? What if she gets pregnant? Would I have to marry her? Maybe I should have stopped at the drugstore earlier. Is birth control a sin? Should I even be asking these questions? God is listening to me right is now. Is it a sin if you think something? Don't send a question, God. All right, folks. Well, I want to welcome you to Liquid Church. I'm Pastor Tom, and we are putting the finishing touches on this incredibly engaging series called FAQ, where your frequently asked questions have taken center stage as we've been tackling everything from like the gay debate to a whole bunch of questions like, you know, can a Christian drink? Can a Christian uh, smoke? You know, uh, what's the whole deal with plastic surgery? Am I allowed to do that? And, you know, is it really okay for pastors to wear tight jeans? I mean, hey, listen. These were your questions, not mine, okay? But anyways, today we are going to tackle an issue that was submitted so many times in different ways, shape, and forms uh, by so many of you here at Liquid today, as well as those of you listening online, and that is charismatic gifts, okay? One of you phrased it this way, quote, what's the deal with the supernatural stuff like prophecy, miracles, and especially speaking in tongues, That just seems like babble to me, but I know people who say it's a big deal. Like, if I don't, I'm not a real Christian. You see, folks, what what they're referring to here is that Christian practice called glossolalia, right? That's in Greek, right? Or or speaking in tongues. This is is where some folks folks actually pray in this sort of foreign language known only to God. And it's one of those gray areas that tend to be totally polarizing. Uh, For instance, if you're someone that grew up in a kind of a conservative background, you went to a conservative church, your your default might be, no, 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 no way. You know, that is just, all that stuff is just a bunch of hocus pocus, way too weird for me. On the other hand, If you're someone that came from a more charismatic background, right, then you're probably thinking like, no, 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 hold on now, don't dismiss it. Spiritual gifts, things like speaking in tongues, are, are normal and essential parts of every Christian life. And, and here's the deal, folks. Whatever, whatever background you're from, you are probably basing some of your opinions on an experience outside of the Bible as well. Like, like maybe, you, maybe you grew up and you, you saw like this televangelist, right, kind of taking out a handkerchief and, you know, saying, you know, shit about a Honda, shit about a Honda, shit about a Honda, shit about a Honda, right? And you're like, well, if you shit about a Honda, why'd you get a Camry, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, listen, I'm not poking fun at this practice. That's not what I'm doing. In fact, as, as many of you know, I, I've shared this uh, here and there, I actually have a little bit of a charismatic history uh, to my own faith journey as well. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up going to a Catholic school, uh, but then later on as I got older in, in grade school, um, my dad became, uh, he became ordained uh, as an elder in the Presbyterian church. 
And so I was raised for a large part of my life, you know, amongst the frozen chosen, right? Where like, you, you, you never like even raised your hand, let alone, you know, prayed in any sort of foreign tongue, right? But as a teenager, right, we got some of that Holy Ghost power, right? As my family, we started attending this charismatic church. And that's when I saw people not only speaking in tongues, but actually being pretty insistent that everyone was supposed to do the same. You know, as a matter of fact, I'll never forget uh, this one time I was volunteering in this youth group, and there was this girl, let's just, let's just for the sake of our, let's just call her Jenny for now, okay? Uh, and she was sharing how she was struggling with this sort of eating disorder, okay? And it was very sad. I mean, she's this sweet little girl, but she's all caught up in the grips of bulimia, right? And, and I remember how, I remember how the youth leader at the time rather than responding with a sort of compassion, he actually demonized the whole situation, suggesting that there was some sort of evil spirit that had to be, like, you know, cast out of Jenny, right? And, and I literally remember, like, five or six people, I was in that room, uh, I was in that, I saw it with my own eyes, I remember, like, five or six people holding Jenny down, and they just started, like, praying in tongues, like, all over the place, and they were, like, forcing her, like, like, like trying to get her to pray in tongues as well. And, and, you know, you need to purge this evil spirit. You need to pray in tongues, right? And there was even like this one person that had like a perfume bottle and it was like it was spreading it around all over the place. And I just remember looking at that, that whole scene. It's like an out-of-body experience almost. And, and I just remember looking at Jenny and she's like all like curled up and her shoulders are like shivering and she's like shaking there. I mean, this poor frightened girl, she's like frightened out of her mind. She is totally freaked out. I mean, I mean, it was just, well, there's no word for it. It was totally wrong. That, that's not what it's supposed to be about. You know something, that was over 10 years ago. But recently, through the wonders of, you know, Facebook, I actually reconnected with her. She's, she's now, she just turned 30. And surprise, surprise, she has refused to step foot inside of a church ever since. And honestly, honestly, can, can you blame her? No way, right? And I wish I could say that that was an isolated incident. But it's actually not. And in fact, a couple of years ago, that mock documentary, right, Borat, right? How many of you guys saw that, right? Yeah. It, it included the scene where he visits this sort of charismatic revival in the deep south, okay? And now here is what outsiders, this is what they're actually thinking as they view these sorts of experiences. Raise your hands. Let's have a little old time church right now. 
I need somebody to pray with me right now. Come on, sir. The blood over my neighbor. I plead the blood over my church. Would you greet me with a great big Jesus name for just a couple of minutes? Jesus. Can Jesus heal the pain that is in my heart? Jesus can heal the pain in your heart. Make him heal the pain that is in my heart. Lift your hands and begin to worship. Would you lift your hands with me as we pray in the name of Jesus? Wow. <laughs> now, now, folks, here's the deal. I want to be careful here, okay? The, the reason I share that clip is because whether we like it or not, sometimes our exercising of gifts, originally intended for good by God himself, sometimes they actually become a stumbling block, not only to other believers, but to those who haven't even heard the gospel yet. And, and so they look at something like that and they think this Whoa, 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 time out. This is Christianity? No, 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 no way. That is, that's like charismania. No thanks. I am not drinking that Kool-Aid. All right? So, folks, what I want us to do today is to actually ask a new question. Can we take a look at this issue that is neither funny nor frightening but recover the functional use of the spiritual gifts as the Bible originally intended. So folks, if you're taking notes right now, I phrased the question this way in your notes. I said, without being funny or frightening, what is the biblical function of tongues and other charismatic gifts? And you know what? For the answer to that, let me invite you to turn with me. Turn with me in your Bibles right now to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's found there on page 798 in your Bibles. This is kind of the foundational text in the New Testament when it comes to spiritual gifts. And maybe, maybe you've noticed that a lot of our questions, a lot of our answers actually from this particular series have actually come from 1 Corinthians. And, and maybe you're thinking that. And that's because the church in Corinth had as many questions as we do, especially when it came to things like sex and the supernatural. Some of you just woke up right now. It's all right. And so, and so the Apostle Paul wanted to answer their burning questions. Number one, about what tongues is, as well as, number two, what tongues is not. And in verse 2, he writes this, chapter 14, verse 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to who? Men. But to who? God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So folks, right out of the gate, Paul actually provides us with a working definition of what tongues is. It's a private prayer language between a believer and God. And notice who the audience is. It's not man. Again, it's God. Now, I know what you're thinking right now, but hold on here. Just follow me here for a second. This whole idea of, <clears throat> excuse me, having a, 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 you know, a sort of special language, an intimate utterance with your heavenly father, well, it's actually not as weird as you might think, okay? Uh, for instance, you know, I have three little girls. Most of you know that right now, and maybe you've met them. My youngest one, May, is about a year and a half, okay? And see, she, sometimes what she does is, she sometimes says, da-da-da-da-da, boomy, boomy, da-da, boomy, da-da, da-da, right? 
And, and if you're listening to her, you're like, if you don't know who she is or what, what she's about, you, you'd be like, oh, man, she's just like babbling, right? She, she's only 20 months, and that, not that that's that young, but, but in fact, she's not babbling. See, she calls me Boomy because one time, just this one time, I used my gift of flatulence in the living room, okay? <laughs> just, just one time. And her two older sisters, oh my gosh, they went nuts. They started laughing and cracking up, and they started going, Daddy did Boomy, Daddy did Boomy, all over the place. And the rest is history, right? Now little May, the youngest one, says, Dada Boomy. Now, in any, in any other context, that might be totally weird. I mean, borderline offensive. Maybe it is right now. I know, I get it, right? Yet in the privacy of our own home, I mean, this is my family, right? These, these are my kids, right? May is my daughter. And that language, that she, it actually makes sense to us, right? She doesn't say that for mommy. She doesn't say that to our guests. She only uses that for me. In fact, it is a term of endearment. I'm, not, I'm, actually kind of, I'm kind of like proud of it, right? It's a term of endearment. Dada boomy. It's a language of love, a, a mark of intimacy. And that's... That's what tongues is. It's a private language of love between God and his child. It's nothing calculated, okay? A believer may be praying, sort of enjoying time with his or her heavenly father, and the Holy Spirit simply gives that child of God these words that sort of, sort of bubble up from the heart. They sort of bubble up from the spirit, and they simply come out. And it may sound unintelligible, to anyone else who's listening, but not to the Father. To the Father, it's simply a private prayer language that for some believers is a sign of intimacy and love between Heavenly Father and child. Now, where did this come from, right? I mean, where did this practice originate? If you go ahead and you put your finger in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and flip over back to Acts chapter 2, you're going to see that the original expression of this particular gift was found in the early church. Remember now, Jesus was crucified, right? He walked this earth, he was crucified, and he raised to life three days later, and then he ascended into heaven. But as he ascended, he promised his disciples this. He says, you know what? I'm about to send you another gift. I'm about to send you the counselor. He's called the Holy Spirit. And he's going to indwell. He's going to be inside of you, and he's going to empower you. He's He's going to gift you to actually bring my news, my gospel message all around the world. And in Acts chapter 2, it says this, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in the bewilderment because each one heard them, what? Speaking in his own language, verse 7, utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own, what? Native language. Folks, this is fascinating. Because you realize the first expression of speaking in tongues in the Bible, it's actually referring to speaking foreign languages. See, at this time in Jerusalem, there were dozens and dozens of ethnicities and cultures and foreign people all mixing together in the same place. 
They all had different tongues and different ethnic languages. So all these different people are together in Jerusalem where the news about Jesus is literally like hot off the press. And what happens? God performs a miracle. Verse 11 says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? In other words, folks, imagine this with me, okay? Imagine that you're in Port Authority, Manhattan, downtown, New York City, and it is rush hour. I I was waiting for a train once, and literally, I I literally think I heard at least six different languages. Uh, One guy was talking in Arabic, another one was talking in Hindi, a woman was speaking in Spanish, very fast, right? Uh, I I think there was an Orthodox Jew there, I, I think I heard some Yiddish, I definitely recognized some Korean in the background. I mean, there were all these different languages. Now imagine you're in that situation, it's packed, it's rush hour, Port Authority, and you're, we're all like waiting for the number six train, when suddenly, woof, everyone understands and starts speaking French. I mean, that, this would be a miracle. You might say a curse, but is it, is, something's going on here, right? And Channel 2 would show up and, and there would be no natural explanation for it. It, it must be something supernatural. I mean, God must really want his message to be spread out all over the place amongst all different people. You see, folks, when God's spirit truly comes, he actually unifies, he unifies people of different backgrounds He doesn't drive them apart. And and I imagine now CBS News, they they would say, you know, something like, miracle in Manhattan, right? And can't you just picture, like, the reporters, they start interviewing people, and and you might have some believers, you might have some Christians there, and they might be like, yeah, you know, it's just a miracle. God came down, he touched down on Manhattan, Port Authority. It was amazing. And then, of course, you'd have some doubters, right? You'd have some haters, right? Like in verse 13 in the Bible, it actually says, some, however, made fun of them <laughs> and said, they've had too much wine. They've <laughs> just been drinking too much. And suddenly we're back to the whole funny or frightening paradigms. Yet the Bible shows us that speaking in tongues had a specific God-ordained function, and that was to build up and unify the church. It was God's way of getting the news about Jesus out to every tribe and tongue. See, but unfortunately, that's not always how it's used, is it? I mean, how did we go from something beautiful, this this private prayer language between father and child, Uh, uh, something unifying used to actually communicate the gospel of Christ clearly to whoever you were, whatever nationality you came from. How do we get from love and unity to division and dysfunction? You know, recently, recently I received an email and uh, it was from someone who shared how this issue of tongues is dividing, not unifying, her particular church. She wrote me this. She said, Pastor Tom, the church I grew up taught that unless you pray in tongues, you're not really Christian because tongues is the sign of the Holy Spirit inside of you. No tongues, no spirit, no salvation. 
I feel like a second-class citizen. And I just can't get rid of all that guilt and pressure. There, there have even been times when I tried to fake it. I felt ridiculous. But it's simply not part of my experience with God. Am I wrong? Am I a second-class Christian? Please help. Folks, when I read that, that just kills me. Because here you have a woman who loves Jesus sincerely. She totally loves Jesus. Yet she's actually made to question her own salvation and feel inadequate because of some sort of misguided emphasis on one specific gift. A gift which, if, if we take the Bible literally at its word, we realize, hey, you know what? This is actually just one gift out of a slew, out of a whole family of so many spiritual gifts meant to actually build up believers, not break them down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, he doesn't want us to be foolish or insensitive about this. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but what? The same Spirit. Verse 7, now to each one, one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then Paul gives us a sampling of the gifts that are different believers are given. Different believers are given, are given different gifts. Verse 8, he says this, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, to another healing, by that one Spirit. Verse 10, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. You see, folks, the New Testament says this, whenever someone publicly speaks in tongues, there needs to be an interpreter. Now, why is that? Why is that? It's because unity and clarity, not division and confusion, is the goal. Right? And, and then Paul sums it all up for us in verse 11. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. In other words, who gets what gift? It's all up to God. It's his decision. He's the gift giver. You and I are the gift bearers, right? For instance, I have the gift of prophecy. Now, I'm not, I don't want to weird you out. It's not like I go home and look into a crystal ball and tell the future. That's not what I'm saying. Please, don't send me the emails, okay? No, no, no. In the New Testament, okay, a prophet was simply someone who clearly communicated the word of God to his people. And, and that's what I do here on Sundays, on a good Sunday, right? Pastor Tim and I, we, we, we use our teaching gift so that the body, as one body, we won't be ignorant, right? But not everybody, not every single one of us here is a teacher, right? I mean, for, for instance, okay, believe me, you do not want to hear me sing. Okay, you don't want to be, you don't want to see me here with the band playing a guitar in it. Why? Because, because that's not my gift, that's, I don't have the gift of music. Other people are clearly gifted 
to lead in worship, to play instruments, to lead in songs, or to pray for others who are sick, or, or some have the gift of mercy, some have the gift of leadership, and, and, and in their crisis, these people with the gift of mercy, I mean, we thank God for them, right? So what's the point? Tongues is not a sign of super spirituality that causes division. Folks, just the opposite. It's one of the, it, it, it's one gift that some believers are given in order to build up and unify the whole church. And we actually thank God for that. What we don't do is we don't pressure other people to imitate our gifts or make them feel inadequate because they don't have certain gifts, right? I got this one buddy. He is like this staunch atheist, right? He's like a flaming atheist, right? And a couple years ago, he sends me this email, and the subject line just read this. You want me and my kids to be like this? And I open up the email, and there's just one link, okay? He doesn't say anything. There's just this link, and it was a link to that documentary, Jesus Camp. You guys, any of you guys ever seen this? Right? I know, right? Jesus Camp. It's like this expose of a charismatic kids camp down south that quote-unquote teaches kids how to speak in tongues. If you don't open your mouth, the Holy Spirit can't talk. All right, now I want everyone to raise your hands and we're going to pray in tongues. Hallelujah. Let's do it. Oh, we love you, Jesus. So, She's not in a trance, she's not out of it, she's very aware of what's going on. She's just hooking up with the spirit, she's just staying focused. between the manifestation of God's spirit and the manipulation of his kids, isn't there? I mean, that is upsetting because you realize for some non-believers, that is like the only impression of Christianity that they will ever get, this sort of overly emotional, sensationalistic snippet of charismania instead of Christ. So you know what? How do we handle a gift like speaking in tongues? I mean, this, this question came so many times by so many of you. And if it's your gift, what are some guidelines that we need to, to practice, right? Again, 
Corinthians is utterly practical in actually providing some solid answers. In your notes, I've actually listed two biblical principles, okay? The first is anytime we exercise any spiritual gift, okay, we must be motivated by love for other believers. Love wins, period. Love wins. You know, Pastor Tim actually, he touched on this last week, right? When, when Christians, he said that we can enjoy our freedoms in Christ. It's not about legalism. It's not about laws. Love actually wins. We can enjoy our freedom in Christ, but we do not exercise it if it's going to be a stumbling block for others. You know, in chapter 13 of his letter to Corinth, uh, Paul writes this, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, it's entire, do you understand this? It's entirely possible to exercise supernatural giftings from God's spirit, yet be bankrupt of love. And Paul calls that just, Fool is like a banging, a, a gong, a clanging cymbal. Remember, the highest mark of maturity for a Christian is actually his or her willingness to put others' needs ahead of him or herself. That is the highest mark of Christian maturity, not how well you use your gifts, so to speak. That's how love is actually defined biblically, being willing to actually sacrifice yourself for the good of someone else. That's why Paul said in verse 7 there in chapter 12, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, you may have this gift of this private prayer language. That's great. But it wasn't so that you could walk around, you know, and sort of go, <laughs> I'm bilingual. <laughs> Look at me. Oh, I am so super spiritual. Oh, well, well, you don't have the gift? Oh, what's wrong with you? No way. No way. No, there's a common good at stake here. It is about love. Look at what Paul says. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that what? Build up the church. In other words, your private prayer language is intended to build up, not break down the church, which is why Paul sums it up. He sums up his own personal practice like this. In verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So evidently, Paul spoke in tongues as well. This was his gifting as well. But notice how he concludes in verse 19. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why? Why? Because number, my number one priority is actually loving others. It's loving other believers. It's loving other people. It's actually building them up. And five clear words about Christ that communicate clearly and intelligently Five clear words about Christ are worth more than 10,000 words uttered in a tongue. Think of it this way. If a picture is worth 1,000 words, right? 
five clearly spoken words about Jesus Christ is worth 10,000 in a tongue. Which leads me to the second guiding principle in your notes here, sensitivity for non-believers. You know, someone submitted one of these questions into the FAQ. They said, uh, why don't we speak in tongues during our worship services at Liquid? Again, Paul does not beat around the bush. He answers this question directly. He says this, so if the church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? I love Paul. He's he's just straight up. In other words, folks, don't freak people out. My goodness gracious. I mean, part of spiritual maturity is exercising just a little bit of common sense. And being mature means being motivated not only by love for other believers, but by a sensitivity a sensitivity for non-believers in our midst. See, let me share something with you folks. One of the visions of Liquid, right, the heartbeat of Liquid, our great hope as a church is, our expectation is that every single service at Liquid would include people who, who, that are either new to the faith, returning to the church, or just sort of kicking the tires of Christianity. We don't want this to be like an insider's club. We want a mixed group of people. And so think about this now. Just, just, just travel along with me on this path, okay? Let's say that you've spent weeks and weeks praying for your friend, a coworker, a family member, right? And we've asked, you know, oh, you're going to want, don't miss this next series. You're going to want to come out, invite that person. And, and like and you, you've been praying and you, you want this person to come to know Jesus. And then one day you, you actually get the courage and you invite this person. And you know what? That Sunday you walk into service and let's just pretend, let's just pretend right now that they're there. You actually see them. They showed up. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And you walk in and you're just like, oh, you're so happy. And you're thanking God in your heart of hearts. You're like overjoyed. And so you're all excited. But then you go sit next to them and the service is about to begin. And then all of a sudden, you know, the music's playing. And then, and then, and then somebody, you know, the, like the lady in front of you or a couple rows down, she just starts going, they would be like, why is that lady speaking Gaga? I mean, just, it doesn't make sense, right? They think we're all a bunch of mixed nuts, right? Folks, that's what Paul's getting at here. And and so we've intentionally made the decision not to speak in tongues during our services because we're just trying to be biblical. We would rather say five intelligible words about Christ, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes less, but anyways, right? We would rather say five intelligible words about Christ than a gazillion words that no one understands and only freaks people out. You know, in some of the circles that I grew up in, speaking in tongues was actually a source of of pride instead of humility. It was actually a source of confusion, never clarity. And that's how you know the difference, right? For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. You see, folks, clarity is the goal, not confusion. And love for one another, especially those outside of the faith, is what binds it all together. 
And there's actually a helpful quote by one of the early church fathers, right? We, we printed it in your notes here, if you look in your notes. Uh, I think this actually provides a perfect and balanced perspective on spiritual gifts. It's, it's actually credited to St. Augustine. We're not really sure if he's the one that really said this, but nonetheless, it's credited to him, and he lived around 400 AD, and he said this, when it comes to matters of the Christian faith and spiritual practice, in essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In other words, check this out. Uh, in, in the essentials or the core doctrines of the faith, I'm talking about the virgin birth. I'm talking about uh, the, you know, salvation by faith alone. I'm talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to have unity. We actually have a closed fist about the absolute essentials, right? It's a we're no negotiation. These are the things that we're willing to go to the hill on, right? We, we, we find unity in all of these things. In essentials, there is unity. But... On the other hand, when it comes to the non-essentials, we have liberty or freedom. There, there's like this open-handedness when it comes to things that are non-essential, right? Uh, to certain practices from, from speaking in tongues or to drinking wine. You know, Pastor Tim, he, he touched upon this last week. These are the areas of our Christian freedom or liberty, and we celebrate those things, right? So in our congregation... We have everyone from like people from these charismatic backgrounds to these conservative, even fundamental backgrounds as well. And everyone is welcome because what binds us together in our faith is Christ. Not any non-essential issues where there's actually liberty and open-handedness. In fact, one of the marks of our unity is that we're not all the same. We, we actually, we have different gifts, different perspectives, different cultures, different backgrounds. That's actually one of the things I love about Liquid, yet we all welcome Christ followers wherever they are on the spectrum because the greatest of these things, in all of these things, we want to cover it with charity, which is another word for love. Love of Christ, love for other believers, grace and sensitivity for those on the outside. Again, whether it's closed or open, it all has to be done in love, in all things charity, in all things love. That is the big E on the spiritual eye chart, right? That's the kind of church that we want to be, radically defined by the love of Christ, lived out in community. And you know what? This is, this is actually fun. I just want to go live here a little bit. This is actually pretty fun because in preparation for this particular message, I sort of did this informal study amongst the uh, sort of informal survey amongst the liquid staff because... One of your questions, someone here asked a question in the FAQ, uh, and, and the question was this. Do the pastors at Liquid speak in tongues? Right? Now, this is interesting, right? This is where the rubber meets the road for some of you, right? And believe it or not, this question has never come up with us before. I mean, I'm serious. It's never been asked, right? I mean, internally, among our staff, it has just never come up. And so what did I do? I went around and I started, it was your question, so I went around and I started asking and I took a sampling of our staff and you know what I discovered? Here's the deal. 
there were eight people, there were eight staff in the office on that particular day. You know what happened? You know what the answer was? Four people on staff said, yeah, yes I do, I speak in tongues. In my, my private walk, my private devotion, my prayer life, I speak in tongues. Four people said yes. Four people, four staff said no, I don't. Four people said yes, four people said no. Aren't you dying to know who said what? Ah! I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but seriously, what I love about that, that's a true story. What I love about that is it is a real live demonstration of Augustine's principle. We were doing it and we didn't even realize it. In essentials, we have unity. You see, we are obsessed with the gospel. We're obsessed with taking the church out to people who don't have it yet. Taking the church out. We're obsessed with that. Bringing the church to the people. The good news of Jesus Christ. It dominates our conversations. It dominates what we do and how we do things and why we do things. That is our essential thing. We're obsessed with that. But in non-essentials, we have liberty. There's liberty. 50-50, folks. Half did, half didn't. There's it's a non-essential. It's a way of practice. It's a certain gift. It's a non-essential. There's freedom to practice tongues. There's freedom to exercise other gifts as well. And never, never has this been an issue with us. Why? Because there's love in everything. It's what binds us together. That's the heartbeat of our church. And I just, I just want to say, just, just honestly speaking, as a pastor, I'm just so, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for our staff. I'm so thankful for the pastors on this staff. That it's, you, you understand that this issue has divided churches. It's divided denominations. But it's never been an issue for us. I'm not like patting us on the, ourselves on the back here. I'm just giving the glory to God. That's an amazing thing. And I seriously, seriously thank Jesus for that because it's his spirit that makes that kind of radical love and community, unity, possible. You know what? Because here's the deal. What does the Bible say? For the world will know that we are Christians by our what? Oh, it's not our spiritual gifts? No. It's by our love. Folks, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you're so good. And I just, I, I do, I, I pause for a second right now, and I just really do thank you, God, because this really is an area, it's an issue that has divided whole churches, whole denominations. And God, I just, I, I look around at our staff, and I look around at this body, and Father, my prayer is that, Lord, that you would just teach us your ways. Help us to major in the majors and minor in the minors, and give us the wisdom and discernment to know which is which. Father, give us the wisdom and discernment to understand that we are one body with many parts. And in, in the essential things, in the things that matter most, we want to have unity. And in the non-essential things, in the secondary things, help us to show liberty and grace. But in all things, in all things, God, may we be known by our charity. May we be known by our love. Thank you so much, God, for doing what you do in our midst. Continue to do your thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Audio. If this message has touched you, we'd love to know how. 
Just email Pastor Dave Adamson at churchonline at liquidchurch.com. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com.